Welcome back to Paranormal January. Like I mentioned in last week's episode, January is a slightly longer month, so you guys get another book review. And this is one that I also mentioned also fits perfectly within the theme of Paranormal January. I really, really loved this book. So this is going to be a very positive review, a lot of high praise. And I also mentioned in last week's episode, which was about The Reformatory by Tanana Reeve Du, that if you are somebody that already read that book, The Reformatory, and you really, really liked it, then I am very confident that you will also really like this book. There is something about the two that to me is very similar, yet they are 100% unique, and they're both written in their own style take place in different time periods, different parts of the globe. But I think that if you were a fan of the reformatory, because it was, I would say, a combination of haunting and heartbreaking, that that central theme of haunting and heartbreaking is something that you will find in this book as well. So I think that you will also like this one. And the book that I am talking about, as you will have seen from the title of the episode, is The Others of Edenwell by Verity Holloway. Now, like I mentioned, it is entirely different from The Reformatory, so let me give you a little bit of a plot breakdown. So this book takes place during World War I in 1917 in Norfolk, and it takes place at a hydropathic wellness retreat. So think about these centers that revolve around water treatments like baths and things like that, like Turkish baths or different treatments surrounding water as a form of rehabilitation for all sorts of different ailments and things like that. So it is in the countryside, it is removed from the city, because again, you do have war going on, World War I is raging, and it's really at its peak. So at this wellness retreat in the countryside is our protagonist, whose name is Freddie, and he is the son of the, I guess you could call him the groundskeeper, that's what his dad does, even though it involves a lot of different tasks. It's just him and his dad who are the ones to do this at this entire center in the countryside. There's a lot of land, so there's a lot of things to do with, you know, in the center itself, you know, but also taking care of like the pathways and repainting things, you know, just general upkeep and maintenance, but that is a lot for two people. I don't think we ever get Freddie's exact age, but he's definitely somewhere around, I would say, 16. Because something that is a part of the novel that was taking place during World War I was the draft, right? And unfortunately, very young boys were drafted. I think even like 16-year-olds were drafted to the army. But Freddie doesn't have to go because he has a weak heart, so he's medically excused. But there's a lot that comes with that, and this is part of the novel. There's a lot of shame. There's people that make these comments, because on one hand, if people's own sons or family members got drafted. It was horrifying. It was heartbreaking. They were so upset and they would potentially do anything possible to not get them drafted. But at the same time, if your family members did have to go to war and you see somebody else who got out of it, you're naturally going to feel a lot of resentment, especially when so many men and boys were dying or maimed and enduring horrific things. And the thing is with Freddie, as he is the type of protagonist that's like a very sensitive boy, very soft-spoken. People think he's a little bit odd because he has this like pet bird. He's always loved birds in general. He does a lot of drawing or sketching. And I know that those sound like very normal on the surface. It's like, why is that weird? Why is that odd? But it's really just him and his personality being very, very shy, very reserved, you know, having a weak heart and things like that. 
and just not being very extroverted and just a very lonely, introverted boy. And as I mentioned, it's just him and his dad. His mother passed away, but they live and work at this hydropathic center. Now, what ends up happening is this boy named Eustace Moncrief ends up being sent to the same hydropathic center because allegedly he has something wrong with his lungs. Now, what we end up kind of finding out is that Eustace comes from a very wealthy family and he actually comes to the center with his sister, who's a little bit older than him, to kind of be with him, keep an eye on him. And she does end up getting to know the American doctor who runs the center. They become a little bit close. So she also ends up sticking around. But Eustace is a boy from the upper class. His mother is a really renowned author. So we end up coming to find out that this issue with his lungs is not exactly true. And his mother, and I'm sure a lot of, you know, upper class people did the same thing if possible, sort of pulled some strings and, you know, was able to pay off a doctor and things like that to declare that he has this issue with his lungs and that he's medically unfit as well and sends him to the center. But the thing is, is that Eustace is itching to fight and to defend his country. He really wants to be drafted and to go off to war. He claims he really wants to be a sniper. But the thing is, is these two boys, again, consider their age, they're around that 16, 17 years old. So there's so much growing up and maturing to happen. So this is also kind of a coming of age story as they are right on that precipice between youth and adulthood. And that's a very specific time. And there's a lot of specific emotions and worldviews that come with that. But back to the plot. So basically Eustace gets sent to the center. Him and Freddie immediately end up becoming friends. But again, this is paranormal January. So the paranormal element that comes into play is that on the grounds, there is something very spooky at play. It's sort of related to the land that the center is on and a particular spirit or ghost, I guess you could call it that, that sort of came from the earth that resides on the land. Now, that is giving you quite a bit of information, but I'm keeping back the spookiest element of it, which is the events that unfold and the physical descriptions that you get of this spirit and all the things that end up happening. It is very eerie and very haunting, but as I mentioned, this story is also very heartbreaking, but I loved it. It was so, so good. I think right out of the gate, this is a five-star read for me, and I actually just finished this book last night, so I haven't really had a ton of time to sit with my thoughts, my likes, my dislikes, so this is kind of going to be an episode where we're thinking out loud, so just bear with me. But I think some of the things that I really loved about this book is that it is kind of similar to the book Eileen that I did a review on back in December. And one of the things that I said with Eileen is that it's a book that is perfect if you want to start to challenge yourself a little bit as a reader, because to me, Eileen has one foot in a sort of entertainment category, and that makes it sound like it's in a lesser category. That's not what I mean. But there's an element to the story and to the plot that has some sort of mass appeal based on the events that unfold and the mystery that kind of unfolds, if that makes sense. But it also has a foot in that challenging literature category. And by that, it's because it deals with a lot of heavy topics and themes and things that are difficult to read as a reader because it deals with things like eating disorders, physical abuse, sexual assault, a lot of heavy, challenging topics in a way. So to me, it somehow kind of occupies both spaces 
Does that make sense? And I talked about it at length in that episode. So if you want, you can go back and listen to it. But there's kind of this scale that I see where books are more in the consumable category. And then on the other side of that scale, it's really in that challenging category. And what can make a book challenging is either the topics that are being discussed, like I said, things that make people very uncomfortable, or it can be the way that something is written because it's written in a very unique or very different kind of way. So this book, The Others of Edenwell, is also a really, really excellent read if you also liked the book Eileen, because in the same way, I feel like it has a foot in both categories, or it's able to fall in the middle of that scale. Because like Eileen, I feel like the story is very approachable and consumable. You're dealing with two boys in this sort of coming of age era at this wellness center who encounter this malicious spirit. But rather than having certain content that is maybe challenging or uncomfortable for a reader, which is Eileen, this one is more connected to the writing style. I feel like it's a good way to start to expand your horizons because Verity Holloway has a very distinct writing style that at times is, well, first of all, it's very like nuanced is kind of a word I've seen described, but it's also a little bit disorienting and poetic. Now you might hear both of those things and also poetic and be like, oh, poetry? What? Like that is the last thing I want to read, but just bear with me and let me try and explain. So the disorienting thing, let's start with that. So she writes in a way that for like a split second, sometimes you're trying to figure out what exactly just occurred or is occurring. And that is done intentionally. And it does just take you a second before the context kicks in and the rest of the writing kicks in. Now, this is combined with, and again, it's done intentionally, so it's done well and purposefully. And this is combined with a somewhat poetic writing style. And again, you might hear that and be put off immediately, but remember the scale that I'm talking about, this book falls in the middle. So it is not so far on that side of things where this writing style is so flowery and so out of touch. That's not what I mean, but just kind of is this Edgar Allan Poe kind of way of writing just in terms of the visuals and the imagery. But I want to be very, very clear that the writing is still 100% rooted in reality and what's occurring. Like it's not as if you're getting swept up in this like weird imagery or metaphors or anything like that. That's not what I mean. Like maybe an idea is that you could go on to, you know, Audible or wherever you listen to audiobooks and you could listen to like a little snippet just to get an idea of what I'm talking about because it is kind of on the subtle side. Like it's not something that is super, super overt, but it's just something that speaks to Verity Holloway having a very distinct, unique, and beautiful, at least I found it to be beautiful, writing style. And I really hope that that did not put you off of it. I'm just trying to manage your expectations like with every book review because books do cost time and money. So I do want to best manage your expectations, but just try and remember that scale that I gave you and that Eileen comparison and it is falling in the middle. So if you're only used to consumable mass marketed, you know, purely entertainment books, this is something to start to challenge you. And it's a very approachable way to do that, I think. If you're wanting to just kind of expand your literary palette, but if you're also somebody that's, you know, completely used to reading like the weirdest, most difficult books to consume and books that are really far on the other side of the scale, then this is also bringing you back more towards the middle. If you want something that also has a very entertaining storyline and entertaining, again, I did this with the reformatory. Entertaining is a very weird word to use with these stories because they do deal with very heavy things and very heartbreaking things. But again, I'm just trusting that you guys know what I mean. 
because I think just why I loved this book so much is because it's a very moving and very emotional story that really got me by the end of it. And there's just so much to sit and think about and talk about. So I really do think that this would be an amazing book for a book club. I'm kind of bummed that this didn't end up being a book for the Brutally Honest book club, but that's okay. Honestly, if you want to use it for any book clubs that you have, I highly recommend it. I honestly wish that I knew somebody else who has read this book. So if you are one of those people that you actually have read this, again, like I say in all my episodes, please feel free to DM me. I would love to talk further about this because like I said, there's just so much to think about and a lot of really interesting things. So I don't want to spoil any of the plot, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting is how the story kind of comes full circle in terms of something that happens at the beginning of the novel happens at the end of the novel. And I really loved that because it was kind of this beautiful closed loop type of story. And again, it's also very, very eerie. I really don't want to spoil anything with like the spirit and stuff like that. But basically he stalks the woods around the center and there's all sorts of very scary happenings that do occur. And the spirit in the grounds, just to kind of like tease you a little bit more, because there was actually like an excavation that occurred on the land and they basically found that a lot of the I guess it would be Celtic. Would it be Celtic? People who lived in this region basically had done their own mining into this one mine that's like out into the woods and they were mining for like flint and different things like that for like resources. And so we come to find out that they also encountered the same spirit who's sort of been haunting this area or this land or grounds ever since then. So it's also connected to something like historic in that sense. But again, it's taking place during World War One, And, you know, to kind of switch gears a little bit, something else that I really loved about this book is the relationship between Freddie and Eustace. And this is something that there's a lot to talk about in terms of book club. And some of the things that I really picked up on that would be really interesting to like, you know, flesh out further is how there's almost this parallel between this war that's going on and sort of the war that is boyhood slash adulthood. And it's almost this like parallel of intensity and all the things that are at stake. And it's about finding yourself. You know, it's also about the beauty in friendship. And there's just so much at play in terms of them grappling with their own demons, them discovering who they are. And again, right at this very crucial point in their life and forging this bond between the two of them. Again, I did finish this book last night, so I don't think I'm doing it quite justice because I haven't really had time to like let my thoughts marinate a little bit, but I was really, really impressed with this book. And I did forget to mention that this book was also published in 2023, just like the Reformatory, but this one was actually published in July. And honestly, I am really, really surprised that this book is not getting more attention. And I'm actually really surprised that this book didn't win any awards because I honestly find it to be that good of a book. There's so much that is being said on an individual level with the people and their emotions, as well as the haunting that is occurring and sort of the effect that this spirit of the grounds has on people, as well as the backdrop of World War One. And again, if I had just let my thoughts like marinate a little bit longer, I could definitely come up with maybe something more poignant to be said about, you know, the comparisons that are being drawn or maybe the metaphors that are hiding in the novel. But maybe it's better for you to discover that on your own and come up with your own thoughts rather than me just kind of spelling it out. Because like I said, this would be a great book to read with another person or other people and then talk about it. 
It was really, really emotional. And it is also a little bit of a slow burn though. I do want to throw that in there. And I do want to mention that just because, you know, you do have this slightly poetic way of writing. But just trust me, because even when I started the first few pages, I wasn't immediately into it. I wasn't like, oh, yes, let's go. Like it did take me a couple pages to get there. And then it just continued to pick up more and more and more. And then by the end, it's where I was really blown away, very moved and really loved it. So to me, this is definitely a five star read. I think some of the books that it reminded me of in very loose ways, again, this is very original. There's not overlap with other stories or anything like that. But just if you like these books that I mentioned, I think you're also going to be a fan of this one. So as I mentioned, The Reformatory by Tanana Reeve Dew, Atonement by Ian McEwan, and Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. I'm sure that there are others that I can also think of, but I think I think between Atonement and then those other spooky suggestions you'll kind of know what I'm getting at. But if I think of any other comparisons, I will put it in the Instagram post that I do for every book review. I list like likes, dislikes, and then, you know, who I think this book is good for. So if there's any other comparisons, I'll list it in there. But I honestly can't really think of any dislikes for the novel. I think my only dislike is just not having somebody else to talk about it further because my wheels have been turning ever since. And I think there's a lot of things that I pick up on in terms of, right, that comparison between, well, comparison and contrast, but between World War I and what's occurring at this hydropathic center. They're both, you know, so affected by the war, but also so removed from the war. And then that sort of chaos of the war with boyhood and the two of them finding each other, choosing to be together and relying on one another because they don't really have their families to also rely on. It's just There's a lot of things that I did pick up on that I'm going to probably sit and think about even more. But the one thing that I found a little bit difficult was the element of birds in this novel because it's very central. So as I mentioned, Freddie really loves the birds. He actually has one pet bird that he calls Drummer Boy, which is really sweet. And he's just such a sensitive character. Uh, Verity Holloway did an amazing job really making you feel for these characters because we really get into who they are as individuals and boys and their own personal histories that really makes you feel for them. So anyway, the element of birds is very prominent in this novel. And this is sort of what I was getting at with the poetic writing style is because Freddie like hears the birds talking. That's as weird as we get with it, right? Like obviously you have the paranormal element, but like that aside, that's really where the poeticness comes in is just the fact that he hears these birds speaking to him. I know it sounds weird, but honestly, it does work very, very well in the novel. But it's just something that I haven't really put my finger on the messaging behind that or what exactly is being said by Holloway with that. And it works really well from that like storytelling perspective. I just haven't really figured out the sort of deeper meaning or imagery behind that. So again, if you have read this book, please let me know so we can talk about it and you can tell me what exactly is going on with that. But again, I will be thinking about it for quite a while. So maybe I will figure it out on my own and arrive at some sort of conclusion. But I will just add one last note because I don't think I have any dislikes for this novel. I have seen this book come up on certain like listicles for like books that'll scare the shit out of you or like the creepiest, scariest, most haunting books. I don't find this to be a book that is that spooky or that scary. 
what I feel like is so central to the novel and what's really at play is the characters and the spirit on the grounds is more so just like this catalyst for the story, for the characters and what ends up unfolding for them. But do not get me wrong, like I said, there are certain scenes and parts of the story regarding the spirit and certain descriptions and things like that where it is very scary and very eerie. There's a reason why I'm leaving that for you to find out when you read the novel yourself. And there's some suspense definitely in the novel as well. But I don't think it's like so far on that side of things where it's like, this is one of the scariest books I've ever read in my whole entire life. Like, I just want to manage your guys' expectations. It's really more, you know, haunting, but heartbreaking again, sort of similar to the reformatory in that way. So anyway, like I said, very big fan of this book. I would give it five stars. I really, really loved it. But again, kind of remember that scale that I have talked at length about now, but it kind of falls in the middle. So really great if you're wanting to just kind of expand your literary horizon a little bit, kind of introduce yourself to new authors, new styles of writing and things like that, or if you're just wanting to branch out into more historical fiction. But with that said, that is also our last book review for Paranormal January. Be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode because we always end the month with a classics and cocktails. So we'll have a couple cocktails and we are going to be covering The Picture of Dorian Gray. So if you read The Picture of Dorian Gray maybe years ago, or if you never got around to reading it, definitely stay tuned because it can either be a really fun and casual refresher, or you're just going to get a very quick and casual summary of the plot. So you kind of know what it's about if you've never got around to reading it yourself. And as always, you can follow along on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books. There's all sorts of content over there. Or you can join the digital book club at Brutally Honest Book Club on TikTok because we do read a book every single month that falls into the theme. So the book that we read for January was How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. And the way that that works is that I post a video sharing what we are reading that month. And then at the end of the month, I also do another video just sharing my thoughts, whether I liked it or disliked it, why or why not. I keep it very brief and very short because that video is just meant to be like a placeholder on the grid for you to then chime in in the comments, whether you loved it, you hated it, why or why not. So if you're also interested in reading a book together, feel free to follow over there. And with that said, I will talk to you in the next episode. Mm.